Consumer prices are as high as ever, but renters will get a big tax break in the coming fiscal year. In an interview with Liberty Times, Finance Minister Zhuang Shui-Ying highlighted a raft of tax adjustments approved just two months ago. Renters in particular stand to benefit. Let's hear from her. Based on all our adjustments for the 2024 fiscal year, the tax-free threshold for a renter who is single is now 626,000 dollars. That is, such a tax filler would pay no taxes if his or her income falls below 626,000 dollars. As for double-income families who rent and do not own their own homes, that threshold could be as high as 1.072 million NT. Of course, that's good news because the cost of everything has gone up, while salaries have stayed the same. It is beneficial because lots of people, when they're paying taxes, they have to go to their parents and ask to claim them as dependents. To be honest, claiming your folks as dependents is the good way to save on your taxes. Taiwan's consumer price index rose 2.71% last month, according to a government statement on Friday. That figure takes the overall inflation rate for 2023 to 2.5%, the second highest in 15 years, second only to that of 2022. Turning now to the presidential election, with just eight days till the big day, all three presidential contenders are hot on the campaign trail. Despite having a cold, the DPP's Lai Qingde continued his national tour to arrive in Pingdong, where he used an analogy to underscore the importance of a ruling party having a legislative majority. Meanwhile, the KMT's Ho Yi focused his efforts in New Taipei, doing meet and greets at a market and two temples. And finally, Koenger of the Taiwan People's Party spent the day in Taichung, where he was warmly received by supporters in costume. DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingde arrived at Pingdong on Friday to inaugurate a Hakka support group. He began by greeting the crowd in Hakka. Lai shared the stage with DPP legislative candidates Zhong Jiabing and Xu Fukui, as well as party list nominee Zhang Xiaojun. Drawing on a metaphor from a street advertisement, he explained why the DPP must secure a legislative majority. The president and vice president control the direction of the steering wheel. That is the steering wheel of a car. But the engine of the car is the legislative yuan. The engine is parliament. Even if the driver and the co-driver steer the car in the right direction, if the engine is weak, the car still won't go. So the legislative yuan is extremely important. We need to secure a legislative majority. Meanwhile, the KMT's Ho Yi was in Luzhou, New Taipei, campaigning at a market and visiting temples. Local borough warden Su Yachi, despite being a member of a DPP support group, still came out to show support. 
as mayor of New Taipei, I do not distinguish between blue and green. All 1,032 borough wardens in the city have a good relationship with me. Su Yachi is the head of the Borough Warden Association. She has worked alongside us all to improve Lujo's infrastructure. My future administration as president would also not make distinctions based on political affiliation. As for Ke Wenzhe of the Taiwan People's Party, his island-wide motorcade tour continued on Friday, taking him to Taichung. He was greeted by the roar of eager supporters. Taichung has always been Taiwan's so-called swing state. It switched between the KMT and DPP most of the times of any administrative district. Ke met a warm reception, with one senior voter endorsing him with a thumbs up. Others dressed up in T-Rex and frog costumes to show their support. A group of scholars made an appeal to voters on Friday, urging them to cast their ballots to, quote, defend democracy. At a press conference, the scholars said that the January 13th election was a turning point that would shape Taiwan's future. They call on voters not to pick the pro-China path, emphasizing that the EU and the U.S. were both reducing their economic dependence on Beijing. With just over a week till election day, scholars urge voters to cast their ballot for democracy. At a Friday press conference, they called on Taiwan to avoid reverting to its old pro-China policies. We certainly don't want to see our current path of reform be changed after this year's election. On January 13th, come out to vote and defend Taiwan's hard-won democracy and human rights. Over the last eight years, we've deepened our connections with the international community, cementing a sort of democratic alliance. Don't indulge in wishful thinking about the Chinese market. Europe and the U.S. have already begun de-risking from the Chinese market. The process of de-risking involves gradually moving foreign capital out of China, anticipating a black swan event in the future. Taiwan is now seen as an investment opportunity and not a geopolitical risk. The academics express concern about China's election interference. Whether it be spreading disinformation or buying influence, China has made moves to sway the vote. Scholars said the world was closely watching the election results, which would shape Taiwan's future path. I feel that the pro-China path is a thing of the past. China's economy is now in decline. Around New Year's Eve, many international institutions were forecasting that China's economy won't do well this year. At the end of the day, is the pro-China strategy more beneficial for China or Taiwan? The scholars called on voters to use their ballots to protect Taiwan's democracy. Chinese President Xi Jinping has renewed his threat to take over Taiwan, while Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen called for peaceful coexistence with Beijing. The two leaders' New Year comments come just ahead of the Taiwan presidential election that could have a big impact on Taiwan-China relations. Voice of America's Bill Gallo reports from Taipei. Ringing in the new year in Taiwan, a festive mood, but plenty of uncertainty ahead of an election that will shape the future of this democratic island. In a New Year speech, President Tsai Ing-wen called for Taiwan to safeguard peace and democracy. We also hope the two sides will jointly seek a long-term and stable way of peaceful coexistence under peace, parity, democracy and dialogue. In Beijing, a different vision. President Xi Jinping renewed China's threat to take over Taiwan. 
China will surely be reunified, and all Chinese on both sides of the Taiwan Strait should be bound by a common sense of purpose and share in the glory of the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. On the streets of Taipei, there's virtually no appetite for what she is proposing. I don't want to be a, a part of China. I, I, I think myself as a Taiwanese, I, I'm not Chinese. For me, Taiwan is Taiwan, China is China. That's two different. China is China and Taiwan is Taiwan. I, I feel right now it's, feel, it's good, so don't need to do any change. Next week, Taiwan holds a general election. The ruling party candidate holds a slight lead over his opposition rival. The opposition has traditionally supported closer ties with Beijing. But that position has gotten much harder to maintain as China increases its military threats against Taiwan. In recent months, Chinese military aircraft and ships have come closer than ever to Taiwan, a reminder of danger on the horizon. Bill Gallo, VOA News, Taipei, Taiwan. The High-Speed Rail Workers Union says its members may go on strike to demand better compensation. The labor union raised three grievances on Friday. Senior staff earning less than new recruits, unfair wage adjustments and annual bonus plans that fall short of union demands. A meeting with management is scheduled for next Wednesday. If no deal is reached, transport disruptions are possible during Spring Festival. What we have been asking for all along is a four-month annual bonus and for subsequent bonuses to be institutionalised. That is, we wanted the bonus to be a certain percentage of the company's pre-tax earnings. The rate should be a certain percentage. Employees have always been the most important asset of a company. There needs to be better coordination and communication between the HSR and its workers' union. Meanwhile, Taiwan's railway operator, which became a corporation on Monday, also faces discontent from its labor union. To protest staffing shortages and unequal pay, the union is working to organize an overtime ban over Spring Festival. If the ban goes ahead, it could create transport disruptions over the holidays as employees refuse to engage in any overtime work. Freight costs are soaring as the crisis in the Red Sea continues unabated. Attacks on shipping vessels by Yemen's Houthi rebels have forced carriers to divert their cargo, taking a longer and more expensive route around the Cape of Good Hope. Experts say that if the crisis is not resolved, it could result in higher prices for Taiwan's consumers. And so the uptick that we have seen is really remarkable and it has really ensnared international shipping and commerce. With shipping attacks continuing in the Red Sea, freight firms have been forced to avoid the Suez Canal, the shortest shipping route between Asia and Europe. The canal handles some 12 percent of the world's shipping traffic each year. The new longer routes have added days of travel time, raising freight costs, delaying deliveries and hurting global trade. There are a number of concerns here for oil particularly. First of all, this is a really important route for oil tankers, of course, and some of them like BP are already taking the very long route around. There's also the big risk of escalation 
at this stage. Carriers have already diverted more than 200 billion U.S. dollars in trade from the Red Sea. Assuming a cruising speed of 15 knots, redirected freight must travel at least 10 extra days, raising costs for fuel and crew labor. Analysts say that if the crisis continues unabated, these higher costs will eventually be borne by consumers, posing a fresh inflation risk. Some estimate the delay to be 15 days. There are extra transport costs and fuel costs. And now there's also a container detention and demurrage charge. Altogether, these fees have already exceeded freight rates of the containers. The likelihood of the crisis abating over the short term is not high. In this week alone, cargo rates for Asia to Europe have doubled. To make matters worse, the Panama Canal is cutting 40% of its vessel traffic due to drought. The longer wait times are set to further raise costs for shipping between the U.S. and Europe. Although the crisis has boosted Taiwan shipping stocks by up to 30 percent, experts warn that the gains are short-lived. Once the Red Sea crisis is resolved, they say, stock prices are expected to correct. The United Ballet of Ukraine debuted at Taipei's National Theater Friday evening, performing the classic ballet Giselle. It's a story about a peasant girl's doomed love affair with a prince. Just before the performance, the dancers told reporters that despite the ongoing war in their home country, they had remained committed to rehearsing for the performance. They said they hoped to honor Ukraine's army through dance. United Ballet of Ukraine performs Giselle, a classic romantic ballet. Before its debut at Taipei's National Theatre, the company had rehearsed intensely in Ukraine. Undeterred by the ongoing war, the dancers remained committed to their art. There was a lot of noise as we had daytime rehearsals at the theatre and there would be daily air raid sirens. Recently, the Russians began another massive attack on us. That's the reason some of our rehearsals were disrupted. We would go to air raid shelters and wait until we got the all clear. We were praying that they would not get to Lviv. They flew in several times, but thanks to our armed forces, we were able to get through it safely. We were really lucky. That's the reason we were able to rehearse. During this time, the war did affect our rehearsals. I think it's a wonderful experience uh, to support the dancers in this situation because I think it's very important to keep uh, doing what you love because I think love will save us in the end. Despite sudden air raid warnings and strict curfews, the troupe danced on, against the odds. Through ballet, the dancers want to pay tribute to the Ukrainian military and pray for their compatriots back home. A story of love and betrayal and death, so it's very resonant to the circumstances in Ukraine at the moment. It, has a, it, it may be a ballet about a, a German village uh, by in a French style production, but it still has a lot of universal meaning to it. So it's particularly appropriate at this time for Ukraine that Giselle is the performance that we've chosen to bring here. The plot of Giselle revolves around a doomed love affair that moves from love, betrayal and death to redemption. The performance expresses complex emotions and conveys determination to overcome death with love. This echoes the current situation in Ukraine and producer Paul Godfrey hopes this love can also be conveyed to audiences in Taiwan.
Get ready for a floral feast for the eyes. The Cherry Blossom Festival at Uling Farm will start February 7th and last to the end of the month. The Highway Bureau, Tourism Administration and Uling Farm will work together to manage visitor flows, which will be capped at 6,000 people a day. Group travelers will need to book in advance, and there will be six shuttle buses to the farm each day. The farm says that some of its trees, like the Japanese cherry, are already in bloom. The Japanese Showa cherry will flower by late January, and the Usha cherry is due in mid to late February. An aquaponics farm in Yingling's Baozhong Township has an innovative system that's helping the environment. Farmers use ends of lettuce to feed fish, then use the water from the fish pond to feed the lettuce. That prevents the depletion of groundwater, making the farm less ecologically extractive. The farm also hopes to construct a food and farming education center to spread awareness about its innovative work. Ends of lettuce leaves, left over from processing, are tipped into a fish pond as natural feed. Nearby in the greenhouse, water from the fish pond is used to irrigate the lettuces. This synergy forms an advanced aquaponics project. The fish eat the lettuce, then we give the water to the lettuce and send the clean water back to the fish pond. So this circular way of working is quite a new idea. In the past, when fish were harvested from freshwater aquaculture ponds, the water would contain too much waste to use again and would be drained away. New groundwater or river water would then be piped in for the next generation. But this improved system means the water is reusable, reducing the depletion of groundwater in a new circular economic system. Our facilities now use a black net. The main thing is that we can produce lettuce in the summer when there's a lack of vegetables. In the future, we plan to create a space for food and farming education and facilities for eco-friendly education. We will go further in providing unique local products and creating job opportunities and tourism. Farmers continue to hone this large aquaponics system, revolutionizing traditional methods with ecological cycles. This farm hopes a future education center will be a local attraction to benefit benefit job seekers and visitors. The Taiwan Lantern Festival will be held in Tainan for the first time in 16 years. The event's main lantern was inspired by the dragons at Grand Matsu Temple in the southern city. The event will also give away small lanterns as souvenirs inspired by Xiaolongbao or little steam buns. Our very own Stephanie Yang spoke to the designers of the lanterns to find out more. The Taiwan Lantern Festival's centerpiece was inspired by dragons at the entrance of Tainan's Grand Mazu Temple. The 22-meter-tall lantern was built sustainably using ethylene vinyl acetate and a unique form of carbon called Buckminster Fullerin. It's also powered by solar technology, significantly reducing its power consumption. This marks the first time we had the opportunity to work with National Taiwan University's Department of Green Energy Technology. It's a great honor to be able to use this material in the main lantern. The main lantern will be set near the high-speed rail at the exhibition center. The sky is very beautiful there, with not many buildings obscuring the view, so people can take selfies with this huge 22-meter-high lantern. You will definitely capture a lot of stunning angles. 
Kamei Peng is an award-winning designer who's worked on lanterns for a variety of festivals. She also served as a curator for the 2023 Penghu International Lighting Art Festival. This year marks Tainan's 400th anniversary as a city. Peng says that through her design work, she hopes to wish Tainan a happy 400th birthday and wish everyone good luck in the Year of the Dragon. This main lantern involves the most mechanical energy of any main lantern in the past 35 years. In the Year of the Dragon, the main lantern is returning to Tainan. This year's lantern festival will be sure to leave people with many happy memories and a cultural legacy. Aside from the main lantern, there's also a children's lantern that can be worn around the neck. This year's handheld lantern for children is by Ling Jiawei. She's the designer behind the many lanterns for the Taipei Lantern Festival. For this event's design, she reimagined the fierce dragon into a cute, charming creature inspired by the Taiwanese steamed bun. The mouth of the dragon can be opened and closed, allowing children to store small toys and candy inside. As for this year's design, we made the slender dragon head round and chubby. Children can put their toys or snacks in the dragon and then snap up the buttons at the back. When the dragon's mouth opens, these small toys will spit out from the mouth. I hope to wish everyone good luck with this design. The Taiwan Lantern Festival will be in Tainan for the first time in 16 years at two locations, the Tainan High Speed Rail Station and Anping District. There will be English, Mandarin, Hakka and Japanese tour guides on site. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Yan Kai in Taipei.